when the people saw the thunder and the lightning, and they heard the trumpet, and they saw the mountain surrounded with smoke, Scripture says that those Israelites, those slaves, those Hebrew children who had been carried out of Egypt, that they trembled in fear when they saw the magnificence of God. And Moses told them something that was very strange. He said to the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all it is that you're seeing. Don't be afraid of what it is that you are experiencing. Don't be afraid of what your senses are telling you. He says, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. God has come. He is here, and he has come to test you so that so that, that fear might, might change what you are doing. It, it might keep you from going off in a direction that you don't need to go off in. He said, there's a purpose for this. And he tells the people, do not be afraid. He says, but fear God. Don't be afraid, but fear God. It sounds really strange, but we've said over the last couple of weeks that, that we are learning how to have Yahweh. That is the, one of the words that is translated fear in, in your Bibles. We're going to have Yahweh for Yahweh. That's what we are to have. That's what's to be present in our life. And we, we think about it and we say, Moses, can you repeat that one more time for me? Do not be afraid, but, but fear God. The people, they're so afraid. They don't know what to do. And, and they don't want God speaking to them. They don't want to have to stand there at this mountain. They don't want to experience all the things that they are currently experiencing. And he says, look, it's not going to help you if you run away. It's not going to help you if you, if you stop. It's not going to help you if you quit going forward. You need to stand and you need to look at this mountain. Even though everything in your being is telling you to run in the other direction. He said, instead, I want you to see it. And I want you to know who God is. And I want you to let that righteous, holy fear wash over you. So we've been talking about fearing the Lord and how we need to own it and how we need to grab it and, and how perhaps we need to bottle it and we need to go and, and, and take a big, big jar of, uh, of yare and just set it there on our shelf. You say, well, why would we want to do that? Well, it's because that when Satan comes along and tempts us to sin, saying, hey, why don't you come and do it my way? Why don't you come and talk my way? Why don't you come and believe my way? Why don't you come and think my way? Why don't you come and live my way? Well, then we go and we open up that pantry door and we take out that, that big jar of yare and we pour ourselves a big glass. And we drink deeply from the presence of God and we drink deeply from the fear of the Lord and we do that in order to keep from believing the deceiver and the destroyer in order to be able to, to have joy in our lives. Moses said, look, don't run away, don't be afraid, but fear God because that's going to keep you. It's going to keep you from sinning. Now what we learn from, from this particular experience is that fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. We get to choose who it is that we fear. Because if fear was involuntary, then Moses would not say, hey, don't be afraid, fear the Lord. He couldn't say that because we would have no control whatsoever. But that's not the way that he goes about it. You see, fearing God, bowing our will to him, reverencing his name, daily kneeling in his presence is a choice. It's a choice that you and I get to make. But to choose godly fear, we must first choose to fear less. You see, we need to be fearless about the things that everyone else is fearful about. 
So here's a couple of things to, to fear less. And if you've got one of your, your handouts that you saw as you were coming in, you're welcome to write this down, type it out in your phone, and, and keep some of this with you to, to think on and to, to mull over over the next week. Guys, let's not fear the future. Let's not fear the future. And look, if you want to teach your children and your grandchildren how to fear God, then they need to see you not fearing the future so much. Because look, if I fear the future, then I don't have very much fear for the Lord. He said, wait a minute, how is, how is that? You say, if, if I'm concerned about the future, if I'm afraid about what's going to happen tomorrow or, or next week or next month or, or next year, then I'm not, I'm not reverencing God? Well, look, if I am scared of the future, then I don't have the kind of relationship with God that prompts me to say, Lord, I trust you completely, and I will follow you. My focus is not on God. It's on all, all the what ifs, right? I mean, what if the job doesn't work out? Or what if I test positive? What if I don't get accepted into school? What if I can't keep up when I get into school? What if I get sick? What happens then? Or, or what, what if my spouse dies? What's going to happen to me? What if I lose my temper? You see, our kids need to see us saying, look, I'm not worried about all the what ifs. I'm not afraid of the future. And, but it's going to be difficult for many of us. It's going to be a hard thing for us to do because here, here's, what I've, here's what I've heard. I just don't know what this country's coming to. I don't know what this country's coming to, and I don't know if we can take another three years of this president. By the way, I hear that about every four years. You understand that, right? I'm not picking on. I'm just poking at. People say, look what's going on. We've got inflation. We've got immig immigration. We've got immunizations. We've got the Snowmageddon that's coming today. Come on. What's going to, to come become a, of, of our city and our communities and what's going to happen in our nation and what's going to happen in the world. And in Daniel chapter 2, it says that the Lord raises up nations and he lowers them and he raises up rulers. And guys, do you really think that there's a president or a senator or a representative or, or a set of Supreme Court justices that are going to be able to out-God God? I mean, I know that, that emotionally, we get worried about it. Intellectually, we say, no, no, no. But, but emotionally, we're like, oh, our rights and our freedoms are being taken away. But what are you really afraid of? And you say, but Chris, don't you see that there's evil that's surrounding us in our lives? Look, I'm all up on the fact that our world and our country and our community seem to be moving further away from God. But I truly believe that I know who holds the future. And therefore, I cannot fear the future. Because the one who holds the future is the one that I have a relationship with. Do you want to teach your, your kids how to fear the Lord? Then we have, to, we have to teach them what not to fear. And our children, our grandchildren need to know, you don't have to be afraid of the future because God is already there. Do you get that? The future is not going to catch God off guard. Okay, whatever is coming in your life, whatever's going to come next in this country, whatever's going to happen next in your just own personal decisions, everything, it's not going to catch God off guard. He's already there in the future. And we're told in the, by the prophet Isaiah that he will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, all those whose thoughts are fixed on him. So trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Now look, either he is or he isn't. And the way in which you and I approach the future says a lot about the way in which 
we view God. Either we fear the Lord, and we know that the future is his, or we fear what's going to happen next. So don't fear what everybody else fears. The child of God should be able to, to walk into this world, to, should be able to walk into the classroom, should be able to walk into the job, should be able to walk into the marriage, should be able to walk into the future fearing the Lord and leaving all the what-ifs to him. Here's something else. Let's not be afraid of, of what we might lose, what we might have to sacrifice, or, or the things that we might face. Paul says that the spirit that God gave us does not give us this, we would not have fear or timidity because of that, but instead we have received power and love and, and self-discipline. And guys, when, when our friends and when our children and grandchildren hear us worrying about, about stuff instead of being faithful and saying, you know what, I'm just going to give this over to the Lord. I'm just going to give this over to God. When they see us worrying, they just learn that life is to be lived holding on to things. Life is to be lived afraid to let it go. When they see us hesitant to go and, and be big for God, well, they learn that they need to be cautious because caution is prized over boldness. You know, the next generation needs to see people who have enjoyed a long walk with God. They need to see some people with silver in their hair who are willing to take risks because they know who God is. In your Old Testament, there is a gentleman by the name of Caleb. And when he was 85 years old, he was given the choice of land. He, they had, had made it to the promised land. They had made it to the land that God had said, this is going to be where, where I'm taking my people. They were there. The land was theirs. And Caleb, who had been faithful throughout the years, was given his choice. And he said, let me have the hill country. Let me have the hill country. But, but Caleb, isn't that where giants live? And when you read the story, you understand that there were the descendants of individuals who were, who were very large and, and had great size and, and great strength. But Caleb, isn't that where the giants live? Oh, I know. I'm going to go whip them with my walker. Give me that land. That's the land that I want. I want the hill country. And so you step out and you say, you know what? Yeah, I'll volunteer at that homeless shelter. I'll chaperone a youth retreat. I'll lead a small group. I'll sing on the praise team. I'll go on that mission trip. And someone says, but at your age? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Do you think that God is really going to abandon you? Fear always votes for hesitation. And it always has a reason for not doing something. And it, it so rarely does anything. But for us, what we are to do in this life comes from somewhere beyond us. And it is bigger than us. And we are each called to do something. We are each selected. We are each chosen. But we have to choose to accept this. But what if I do step out? And what if I do do something big for God? And, and what if I, I do take a chance? And what if something happens? So what if it does? I mean, really, what if it does? What if you go out and, and, and you go on some trip and it, it takes you outside of, of this country and, and maybe, you, maybe you get malaria and you lay down on some straw mat and you, you breathe your last? Do you really think that God is going to say, I am so sorry. I had no idea that that could happen. I had my back turned, and, and I, was watching, I was watching how it wasn't going to snow in Chattanooga, and it was snowing all over Tennessee and everywhere else. It wasn't going to snow in Chattanooga, and I had my eyes right there, and I had no idea that you needed me. 
Do you really think that that's what's going to happen if you, if you step out for God? You guys, do you remember the roadrunner in Wile E. Coyote? You guys remember that? The roadrunner could get out of any problem, right, at any time. Let me give you a reminder. coming. Oh man, I love that. You know, I used to think that the Roadrunner was just smart and Wile E. Coyote was just dumb. God watched that and was like, man, that, that Roadrunner is so smart and man, the Coyote, he'll just never figure it out. But, but the older I got, I realized that that's not it at all. You see, the roadrunner had an agreement with the rider. He had an agreement with the rider. And whatever the difficulty, the rider would just ride him out of it. And that's what would happen. And here's the deal. We, we've got the same agreement. Because understand, understand, when I leave here this morning, I'm going to get into my car and I'm going to drive somewhere between zero and, and 70 miles per hour on my way somewhere to, to eat lunch. And while driving, I'm going to be surrounded by others who have encase themselves in a 3,000 to 4,000 pound automobile. And these fellow travelers, they're going to hurl themselves down the road at speeds of up to and perhaps exceeding, some of you, 70 miles per hour. And look, now I know that the motorist in front of me could have a cardiac event while I'm driving along. At the very same time that the motorist behind me is texting on their phone. At the very same time that my brakes go out. At the very same time that my steering wheel drops and falls into my lap. And Satan could be there going, ha, 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 I've got him right now. I've got him. No. I've got an agreement with the rider. And the last thing Satan's going to hear from me is, meet me, and I'm gone. I mean, I'm out of there, right? I'm with God. So why do I have to fear the future? Why do I have to fear what it is that perhaps I could lose? Now look, I don't have a death wish. But guys, at some point in time, we must recognize that living by faith means displaying a faith that lives. A faith that actually impacts my living. A faith that says, God, I no longer fear the future. I no longer fear people. I no longer fear what I might lose. I no longer fear the physical and the temporary. And I no longer fear the diseases of this world. And yes, the doctor might might say, hey, I need you to come back in for another test. And yes, sometimes the x-rays are not good. And yes, sometimes it's not benign. And yes, sometimes they don't get it all. And sometimes the test is positive. And yes, sometimes there's nothing else that we can do. But friends, when you know the one who says, what I do not heal here, I will heal there. When you know the one who holds the future, then you don't have to fear the future. The best choice that we could possibly make and the best legacy that we could leave for our children is the fear of the Lord. Psalm 118 and verse 4, we looked at it earlier. 
We looked at it. We, we set it together. Let those who fear the Lord say, His faithful love endures forever. Again, do you believe this? Do you believe that the faithfulness of God is in your future? Do you believe that the faithfulness of God is present no matter what takes place? And then do you, do you leave with that kind of hope, with that kind of faith? And do you take that and along with that big jar of yare? And do you keep it close by and drink from it often? The faithful love of God endures forever. So let's get practical and wrap things up. Let's talk about embracing this together and, and how that actually looks. Three quick things. We need to be able to acknowledge who God is. Let's acknowledge who God is on a regular basis. And a prayer is a great way to do this. And so when, when you look at your prayer life, I'd like to encourage you to, to pray the identity of God first. Instead of going in your prayer life and saying, oh Lord, here's what I would like today. God, here's how I want you to bless me today. Father, please give me this today. Can we begin our prayer time by saying, oh Lord God, ruler of the universe, creator of the planets, king of kings, lord of lords, light of light. Can we approach the throne of God expressing with our words and expressing even perhaps with our own posture the fact that we understand that we are not coming before some genie in a bottle, that it's not grace behind door number three that we get, that we are coming before the almighty God. How long could we go with the way in which we, we speak to him and, and, and exalt his name? You know, doing this, it has, the, it has the ability to drive you to your knees and it helps me forget who I am. Don't rush into the throne room of God like you're, you're driving through at McDonald's. Don't try to come through and, and, and again, order some, some love and peace in the combo meal number three. Instead, come into God's presence saying, you are God. And I am not. I'm not. Begin your prayers with that kind of acknowledgement. The acknowledgement that comes from Psalm 90 and verse, verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born. Before you gave birth to the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting. From eternity to eternity. You are God. Let's acknowledge who God is. All right? And then, like your grandmother used to tell you, hush. Just hush up. Just hush up. Like the writers in the Psalms, it's, it's often wise to stop and just be quiet and, and meditate on God. Why don't you try this before you get out of bed each morning? Before you get out of bed, that, that alarm goes off, and before you realize, oh man, I'm late, and you reach over and you hit the snooze, and you tell, you tell Alexa just one more time, you know? Why don't you just lie there and just be still before the presence of God and say, oh Lord God, ruler of the universe, creator of the planets, king of kings, Lord of lords, light of light from eternity to everlasting to everlasting you are God why don't you try that before you go into the house each night you've had a long day at work there's been a lot of things going on there's been a lot of stressors in your life and now you're going to go into your house and your spouse is going to be there your children are going to be there and you're looking at carrying all the weight that you have had from all the conversations and all the meetings and everything that is on your mind from that day and you're going to walk into your house and more often than not you're just going to go and throw up on whoever's there because they're your family, and that's what they're there for, and you just kind of give it to them. Why don't you stay out in the driveway just a little bit longer? 
Why don't you just sit there and be quiet and enjoy the silence and be with God? How about you do it before you eat lunch or before you have a difficult conversation? How about you, you just hush and be quiet before you come into a setting like this and join God's children in praise? Just sit in silence and reflect on how great God is and how how good God has been. The Lord is in his holy temple. So let everyone on earth be silent in his presence. Sometimes we just need to hush and be quiet. And then why don't we actively honor God everywhere we go? So let's acknowledge God. Let's acknowledge him for, for who he is. Let's be silent in his presence at times. And I said, let's honor him everywhere that we go. The Holy Spirit is with us. We don't go any place that God is not already there. We don't go to a holy place even to honor God. Everywhere that we set our feet is holy ground. And let's stop this thinking that says, well, I go to church to be close to the Lord. You understand that God was not here at 8 o'clock looking around going, Gabriel, I hope somebody shows up today. You know, the weather's going to be kind of bad. I really hope they come. That's not it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Every single day is an opportunity for you to be in the presence of God. Every single moment. So actively honor God everywhere that you go. Practice his presence. Discover different disciplines that allow you to see and to hear and experience the God that is everywhere you go. Because by practicing his presence, you begin to learn who to fear, and and you begin to learn also who and what not to fear. Guys, we need to be too afraid to be scared. Do you get that? We need to be too afraid to be scared. We need to be too afraid, too, too in awe of God, to allow any of the other things that take place in this world to bring fear into our life. Because we understand who God is. Because when you fear God, You never have to fear anyone or anything else again. You know, I was thinking about the best way to kind of drive this point home and kind of close this out. And and this particular weekend kind of gave gave me direction. Tomorrow, this nation is going to take time to remember not just one individual, but as often is said, a dream. A dream that was shared not just by Martin Luther King Jr., but by many within this country and around the world of all races and all types. It was a dream of equality. A dream, as he said, that individuals would be recognized by the content of their character and not just the color of their skin. And I started thinking about how that we fear all kinds of things and how we're concerned about what people might say about us sometimes so we don't speak out and say anything for God and, and how we are, we're, we're concerned about what's going to happen next week or, or next year. We're concerned about our health and, and we're concerned about, about our jobs and, and just about the safety of our families and all kinds of things. And, and so I started thinking about all of that and, and I was doing some reading this, this last week of some, some different writings there of Dr. King, and I thought I would just share with everyone something that he said on April 3rd, 1968. This was the day before he was assassinated. 
He's in Memphis, and he's closing up a, a speech, and he's in this part where he had talked about how that people had, had told him not to come. He, he talked about how that before, before he got on the plane to fly to Memphis, how that they had to alert everyone and tell them that uh, the plane was having to be searched and everything was having to be made sure that it was safe because there had been threats made against Dr. King. And many of you have, many of you lived through this time and many of you have researched and read and, and you know many of the things that were said and the many things that were being done to him and to others during this time period. But I want you to see how he closes out. I want you to see how he closes out his sermon. He says, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people, we will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. Because I'm not worried about anything. I am not fearing any man. For my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He didn't know what would happen the next day and how he would be struck down. No one knew what was coming that next day. No one would knew what would happen after. No one, no one would know the difficulties that would come after this day, but I find it poignant as he closes out to say, you know what, I might not be able to see the success of this movement that I'm a part of. Because, but I know that there is going to be equality, there is going to be change, there is going to be something better than what we have now. He says, and, and it's going to be experienced, but he's not worried. And he's not afraid what some man or woman might do to him because he says, his eyes have seen the Lord. I don't know what you fear today. I don't know what your biggest concern is. I don't know what it is that keeps you up at night. I don't know what it is that causes your hands to sweat and for you to become all nervous. But for the little fears that perhaps you might have, for the larger concerns that would have been present for Dr. King and, and for those with him, the answer is the same. When you fear God, you do not have to fear anyone or anything. So acknowledge who God is. Be silent in his presence. Actively honor God wherever you go. And keep that big jar of yare with you. Keep it close. And open it up. 
and drink deeply from the presence of the Lord. Do not be afraid, but fear God. Do not be afraid, but fear God. Do not be afraid, but fear God. Father, we prayed this morning that our lives would be one that would not be consumed by all the what-ifs, that would not be, we would not be concerned with all the different things that could or should have or would have happened, that we would not be afraid of what we could lose, that, Father, instead, that we would have the trust in you to say we know who holds the future. And that we don't just say that flippantly, but, Father, we live that out and we believe it and we place our life truly in the palm of your hand. Father, we thank you for, for those who have come before us who have demonstrated this type of trust and this type of faith for individuals who have faced incredible fears but have been able to stay strong in their conviction and to stay strong in their character because they had seen you first. Allow us to have the glimpse of you that we need. Allow us to see you as creator. Allow us to see you as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Allow us to see you as the one who has been here forever and will be. And allow that to calm all the different fears that we have. Allow that to, to keep us from listening to all the directions that Satan would send us on. And Father, allow us to be quiet in your presence. Allow us to take those moments just to remember who you are, who we are, and remember the great grace that you have bestowed upon us. Quiet our hearts. Give peace to our souls. So that we might be able to go to tomorrow, not knowing what comes, but knowing that you are already there. And that we would go with your words, and that we would go with with your character, that we would go with, with your heart, Father, that we would go with your, with your spirit, that it would be your priorities that would be ours, that, that it would be your direction that we would seek. Father, we thank you for moments like this when we can just come together on a day that's rainy and potentially even snowy and just to be able in this warmth in this room to be reminded of how great you are. Thank you this morning for stilling our fears. Thank you for the way in which you have calmed us today. May we take what we have experienced here with us as we leave. May we be different because of the time that we have spent here today. May we be changed in your presence tomorrow. May we have no fear except fear for you. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing again the song that Derek introduced to us earlier beautiful words that we were singing we'll sing it again one more time we want you to know that as we sing this song that we'll we'll have in our prayer room which is in our lobby one or two of our elders who'll be glad to talk with you about your relationship with the lord about the fears that you have maybe talk about the fear of following after jesus christ the fear of being baptized into christ and to be able to pray with you and and be able to listen to the concerns that are on your heart we want you to take advantage of that opportunity, not just during this song, but, but after we close out, they'll be in that prayer room as well. We want you to have that opportunity. But for now, as we sing this, be sure to look at the words. Think about the things that we have said. Think about the fears that you brought in here with you today and allow God to take those away. Will you stand before the Lord as we sing?